I have a confession to make. I had the idea to write a book for years before I finally put pen to paper and published the book. So the big question is this, how do people like me who battle doubt and insecurity push past their fears and publish a book? Well, that is the question, and this podcast is going to give you the answers. So join me as I bring you behind-the-scenes interviews and insights so that you can move forward and publish your book with boldness and courage. My name is Coach Tam, and this is Publishing Secrets. Okay, you. Yes, you. I need you to stop selling yourself short. You see, somehow you've got it into your mind that the only way that you are qualified to write a book is if you have certain credentials or initials behind your name or you've been through certain classes or coaching programs. But here's what you need to know. Yes, some people do value credentials. But what I know for sure is that there are actually many reasons that people buy a book and you have more influence over those reasons than you realize. So here's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to take you behind the scenes of yet another masterclass where I walk through the seven top reasons that people buy a book and why. So When we're done with this episode, you're going to know exactly what you need to do to put together a book that people will love to buy. So grab your pen, some paper, get ready to take some notes. You're about to write a best-selling book. Enjoy. I'm going to show you how you can get in the mind of your reader in advance so that you don't have to worry about whether or not anyone wants to read your book anymore. Your book is going to be irresistible to the audience. Secondly, I'm going to talk about the big mistake that most aspiring authors make. And this mistake ends up not only damaging their credibility, but as in my instance, it impacts their sales. But the good news is if you pay attention today, if you follow along with me, if you take notes, then you can turn this around. You can fix it today. And I'll also talk about the number one reason books don't sell and one simple mindset shift that will empower you to beat the odds. As with health and fitness, being a successful author starts in the mind. So the stalling, the stopping, and starting stops today. You're going to walk away from this session feeling empowered and ready to tackle your book. You are going to be ready to take on this project because you are going to feel so much better than you did when you press the button to join this webinar. Now, here's the premise, the basic premise of everything that I'm going to share today, okay? And you've probably heard this saying before, but maybe you haven't translated it. Maybe you haven't thought about how it pertains to being an author and writing a book, okay? So the secret to writing a book that people want to buy is to begin with the end in mind. Let me say that again. The secret to writing a book that people want to buy is to begin with the end in mind. Now, I'm going to explain what that means using 
what I call the seven secrets of success. Now, the background on this is the information that I'm going to share with you today is not just my opinion. What I'm going to share with you today is the result of a survey in which I asked people, people that read books regularly, what is it that they are looking for as they make their selection of books? So the seven secrets of success that I'm going to share with you today are the direct results of that survey where people have expressed their firm opinion. These are the things that I take into consideration when I am going to buy a book. So my friends, if you take their advice to heart, if you apply these seven secrets of success, then you too can be successful with your book. Now, the good news is that although I learned about these things very late in the game, as a matter of fact, after my book was in public uh, distribution, the good news is that some of the elements that I had and the ones that I didn't have, I had to learn how to put those things in place so that I could salvage my book career. And once I figured those things out, ladies and gentlemen, it positioned me to be able to use the book to build a successful coaching practice and eventually open our own location at 265 Point Total Fitness. So even if maybe you're that person out there that you have already written your book, it's already out there and you're trying to figure out, Coach Tam, how do I recover? How do I get my book back out there? How do I get people excited about my book? then these seven secrets of success are also going to help you because they're going to show you, you're going to be able to use this as a checklist and say, these are the things that I already have. These are the things that I need to work on. And here's what I can do to fix it. So let's dive in. First secret of success. Now I've ranked these in the absolute order in which people rank them in their survey responses to me. And I've got some snippets from the survey where people commented so that you can actually start to hear this feedback in the words of people that buy books. And I'll talk about why that's important later. So number one, number one reason why people buy a book is based on recommendations. Hmm. Makes sense though, right? Think about it. When you want to go to a restaurant, maybe you're looking for a restaurant that has really good seafood, right? What are the things that you're likely to do? You're likely to either A, ask your friends or a family member, hey, do you know somewhere I could go to get some good seafood? Or you may go online and you may search best seafood restaurant in the city and state that you are in. Then when the results come back, chances are you're going to visit a website like Google Reviews or Yelp, and you're going to look at the reviews and you're going to look for a location that has four or more stars. And if you're really picky, you might be looking for four and a half stars or more. And then you know what? Some of you, you're not just going to do that. You are also going to look further and look at the comments to see what people have said, right? Because it's not just about the stars. It's about the specific experience that people have had. And so what you want to see is someone has had such a great experience that they are willing to recommend it to other people. And we only recommend things that we've had a great experience with, that we believe is going to be a help, it's going to be a blessing to someone else. And so just like you enjoy recommendations, know that your reader also appreciates recommendations. So here's what MA had to say. These days, it's more about referrals. And usually, it's organic. 
So the example that he gave was someone in his men's group may suggest something that they've read that ties to a particular issue that has come up in the life group, right? So this is just a regular conversation. Everybody's hanging out. They're studying the Bible together or they're studying a particular book together. And then someone brings up an issue or a problem and say, you know what? You know what, man? I got just a book for you. You want to check out X, Y, Z. And then can you imagine it? I have been in this type of situation. I'm grabbing my phone, I'm grabbing my notebook, and I'm trying to capture the name of the book. And if they continue to go on and on and on and talk about this book in a way that's really impactful, then I may go right to Amazon right now, put that book in my cart and order it so that I can get it as soon as possible. Just like you do that or some friends and family members that you know do that, your reader does that as well. JR says, recommendations from trusted readers like my mom. She's an avid reader. So many of us have people in our circle that read a lot. And because we know they read a lot, we know that they're probably a little critical. They have high expectations and standards. So if the book really stands out for them, if it really um, makes an impact on them, then chances are it's going to be impactful for us as well. So the number one reason that people buy a book is because it's been recommended. So again, in order for your book to be one that someone recommends, it has to be impactful for the reader. They have to feel like it is something that not only has been a blessing to them, but will be a blessing to other people. And don't you worry, I'm gonna talk about how you create that type of effect. Now, the second thing that is important this was the second thing on the list, kind of tying into the previous topic is reviews, right? So the recommendation could be a verbal recommendation, or it could be in the comments of the reviews where the person says, best book ever. I love this. You've got to check this out, right? But then know that, you know, sometimes people are just looking at the stars, you know, depending on what mood I am in, I am just looking at the stars like, okay, is it four or above? And if it's not four or above, I'm not even going to waste my time. I'm not going to waste my energy to even look any further. So know that readers do that as well. So CC said reviews, number one, but then they also mentioned some other things that we'll talk about a little bit later, but listen to the words, but reviews tell me if it's going to be a good buy. Hmm. Reviews tell me if it's going to be a good buy. So no one wants to waste their money. Now, I know that that may not be in your mind the most important thing, especially if you're planning, you know, sometimes people are, oh, I'm going to write a book and I'm only going to sell it for $10. But believe it or not, people think about whether or not they are even going to invest $10 in a book. And they're not willing to do it unless they believe that they are going to get a good return on their $10 investment. So people are trying to figure out is this book really going to be worth the money? And even if it's a free ebook, is it going to be worth my time to read this book? LO says, I look for reviews that someone couldn't put it down. So they want to see that this book is so amazing that I just couldn't stop reading it. And then KM says, I read the five-star reviews, but I also read the one-star reviews to see why it's rated so low. Why is, is looking at the ones, and I'll confess that I do this sometimes too, is I think most people want to be fair. So they want to see if the one-star review is just a person that's, you know, 
This is just crazy, right? <laughs> they had, you know, unrealistic expectations of the book or, or something of that nature. And then it's so, if I read something like that, then I'll just say, you know what? I'm going to disregard this one-star review because there's more four and five-star reviews instead. And I know that this person is just being, just being finicky. But at the same time, if I see a significant number of one-star reviews, even if there are fours and fives, I start to question do I want to invest in this? Do I want to go to this, this restaurant? Do I want to buy this book? Am I really gonna, is this the kind of car that I want to rent? I'm willing to take a step back and give it some further investigation before I move forward because I'm not so sure if it's still a good buy. So recommendations and reviews go hand in hand. Now the third reason, the third highest reason that people buy a book is the title of the book, the title of the book. So what you need to know, although you don't want this to stop you from starting the process of writing, before you submit your book, whether it is to be self-published or you want your book to be considered by an agent, be very thoughtful and prayerful about the title because that title needs to catch people's attention. That's the whole purpose of a title is it's designed to catch people's attention and to help people identify just by reading the title if it's going to be beneficial to them. So there are a number of different strategies around choosing your title, but I'll give you a couple just to get you started. Number one, you can create a title that invokes questions or has a degree of mystery. One where people would say, what is that? <laughs> so that was the strategy behind the name of my book, 265 Point, because even though no one knows what it means, someone always asks me, what does 265 Point mean? And that question opens the door for a conversation. And once you explain the mystery behind your book title, then you've started to reel that person in. They're curious. They want to know more. If you have a really good reason for the name of your title, one that others can identify with and that is really exciting to them, then they're going to want to learn more about your book. The other strategy is to make your title so blatant and so uh, direct that there's no guessing who the book is for. So for example, one of the book series that was really popular when I was growing up as a kid and a young adult was the Four Dummies series. Maybe you can envision it in your mind. Yellow book, black text, windows for dummies, or Excel for dummies, or Word for dummies, right? So it's very, very clear just by looking at the title, hey, I'm going to learn about Word, Excel, PowerPoint, and because it's for dummies, it's going to be presented in a way that's going to be easy for me to understand. So if I'm an advanced person with Excel or Word, then I know that this is not the book for me. But if I'm a person that I'm just getting used to how to use these, maybe I've had very limited experience and I want something that's going to break things down to a level that is easy for me to understand, then I am going to buy the for dummies book because I know that it's going to take care of me. So those are a couple of strategies around how to choose a title for your book. But listen, the bottom line is the title's whole job is to tell the story of your book uh, succinctly and in a way that inspires the potential reader to want to learn more. 
So JB says title first and then reviews and the marketing behind it. Okay. Now AM says title blank and subject uh, hints on something that we'll learn a little bit later, but title was the number one thing. And then AJ said first the name. So know that for some people, you have zero chance getting them to buy your book or wanting to learn more about your book if you don't have a good title. And I'll give you another practical example of this that you can identify with. It's just like the subject of an email. If the subject of an email really captures your attention, then there's a great chance that you're going to open that email and at least read a few sentences to learn more about what it's about. On the other hand, if that title does not capture your attention, if it doesn't seem interesting or it seems boring, then chances are you are not going to open that email and the person that sent the email has zero chance of getting their message across to you. It is the same way with a title or a book. Number four, we've talked about recommendations, we've talked about reviews, and we've talked about the title. Next up is the cover. So this was the missing piece in AM's feedback earlier is yes, I'm looking at the title first, but I also want to consider the cover. And what they mean by that is the look and feel of the cover. What are the colors? What are the images that are on it? What does the text look like? Know that in this world of advanced technology and being able to order books from Amazon or Barnes and Noble online and not even having to go to the bookstore that people are still looking at the cover of your book. So even if you were to go out to Amazon right now and you were to buy a book, over on the left-hand side of that book description is going to be a cover of the book. And some people are going to decide yes or no if they're going to go any further to read more about the book based on the look of the cover. You need to know that. CR says, recommendations definitely, but I'm often drawn to pick up and read the description if the cover is eye-catching. So there's a clue from CR that there needs to be something in the cover that catches the reader's attention. And if you can get that right, you may have someone pick up your book just because they are intrigued to learn more. KM says this, and this is really, really important, especially this is your first book. Or you know what? Actually, even if it's your second or third book, right? You want to take this advice from KM to heart. KM says, I take into account the cover design as well, especially in the nonfiction range. Poorly designed covers communicate a lack of professionalism and I am less likely to buy. Whoa, did you get that what KM said? She said, listen, it doesn't matter if your book is really awesome in content, in terms of what I would see when I would read the pages. If your cover is not well put together, then KM makes an inference about you based on the cover. There's an association that because the cover is poorly designed, you are not professional in your role and your work as an author, right? And that's the last thing that you want a potential buyer to think. You want them to see you as an authority, right? And so you choosing the right color and having a well-designed cover is critically important. Now, often when I talk to people, especially when they're writing their first book, there's a desire to try to minimize costs, which I certainly understand. And I'm here to say that you should do that. 
You don't need to spend money on things that are unnecessary. If it's something that you can do yourself, if you're going to self-publish, then you absolutely should do that. But a cover is one of the things that I actually do not recommend you do yourself. I highly recommend that you find someone that is talented and skilled in the area of graphic design, specifically for books, to ensure that you are able to have a cover that is going to communicate that professionalism that KM talks about. So do not skimp on your cover. That's very important. So we've talked about recommendations, reviews, title, and we've also talked about the cover of the book. Number five, and I've kind of lumped these all together because all of these things are in the beginning of the book and they set the tone for the book. They set the tone too for the potential buyer. So the preface of the book, the table of contents, and a sample chapter. Now the sample chapter is a relatively new concept. Um, it's something that came about when retailers like Amazon began to sell books versus people primarily going into a store like remember Books A Million or Barnes and Noble to buy their books. When a company like Amazon enters the space, they tend to disrupt things. So now if you want to go check out a book, if the author, if the publishing company has activated this, you can actually click a button to look inside and you can check out the preface, you can check out the table of contents, and you can even read a sample chapter of the book. Know that your potential buyer, your potential audience is checking out those things before they make a decision to put that book in their cart and order the book. So Evie says, if the first couple of pages capture me enough, I'm in. So that's probably what Evie is sharing here is probably the logic between Amazon's decision to show the preface, the table of contents, and normally it's the first chapter, right? So that allows a potential buyer to see, is this worth my time? Is this worth my money? Should I read further? So no, just like you've, I'm sure you've heard as you were growing up, you heard you never get a, another chance to make a first impression. Evie is trying to get that point across to us. We have seconds to capture the reader's attention by focusing on the first few pages of our book. If we knock it out of the park with those first few pages, chances are that person is going to want to read more. They're gonna be hooked and they can only get so far, even on Amazon Look Inside, they can only get so far with reading that book. And so they're gonna to get to a point and be like, oh man, I wanna see what's gonna happen next. And that's exactly the effect that you want to create. So then they're going to take the next step to order your book. AJ says, I always read the preface. It has to catch my interest. So that preface is kind of that introduction to the book. It kind of explains the purpose of the book, sometimes how the author decided to write this book. And it's designed to capture the reader's attention. Your preface is very important. OL says, the title gets my attention, but I would go to the table of contents or a sample chapter if it's online before buying it. So LL reminds us, yes, it's important to have a good title, but having a good title alone for some people is not enough. I'm still going to inspect what I expect and I'm gonna check out the beginning of that book. So very, very, very important that you capture the reader's attention in the first pages of the book. Now, 
let's build on what we've learned. The sixth reason that people buy. Very important, familiarity. They are much more likely to buy your book if they've heard it mentioned before, if they've seen it highlighted somewhere, which could be as simple, by the way, as it being a post on social media. It could be an ad that they see on Instagram. It could be called out in a local paper or in a magazine. All familiarity is, ladies and gentlemen, is the person feeling as though I've heard about this before or I've seen this before. SO tells us, listen, social media is a game changer. So the way that she gets her referrals is not always a face-to-face conversation like what we heard about earlier where there's a life group discussion going on and someone says, you know what, you should check this out. Some people get quote unquote referrals from seeing a reference on social media. So if one of her friends says that, you know, this is one of my, that Tam is one of her favorite writers, then she's going to go check it out because, huh, okay. Yeah. Sherry, she really likes so-and-so. Well, let me go check it out and see if I can learn more about this. Maybe this will be something that I would want to benefit from too. RV says, usually it's a public person who either gives an endorsement on the back cover or posts about it on social media, right? So this is someone, now public, I want you to understand, is something that even you, as a new author, you can get a quote, public person or a personality on your side to give you an endorsement. I know it probably seems like, oh my gosh, there's no way to coach Sam, I couldn't do that but you can do that. We are in an age where you can reach just about anyone that you want, leveraging social media or via email. And know that there are people that are looking for people just like you, authors, to come and talk about their book because they run a radio show, for example, or a podcast. So this could be as simple as you being a guest on an online radio show or you being a guest on a podcast and that person, the host of the podcast is interviewing you and asking you questions about the book. And then usually at the end, because they are a great host, they're going to say some great things about the book because you've given them an advanced copy. There's another tip. And they're going to ask you to share your information about how people can pick up your book. So now people have listened to an interview, they've heard a a person that they respect give an endorsement, so absolutely, they're gonna take the step to buy your book. And AS says, the author's track record in business. So this was specific to someone who tends to buy business-related or uh, self-development, self-improvement type books. So I wanna make sure, AS says, I wanna make sure that you are a person that has been successful in an area. And if I can see that you've been successful over here, then I can infer, okay, I get it. You can be successful here as well. So familiarity, which is something, believe it or not, as a brand new author that you have a lot of control over, will help you to write a book that people want to buy. So you got to be able to leverage tools like social media yourself personally, but also influence other people to leverage social media or a podcast or a magazine article to get people excited about your book. 
and it's easier than it sounds. All right, so here is number seven. Number seven, if you're writing your notes, number seven is relatability. Relatability. So this is specifically in the nonfiction space, right? So this is the person that's experienced a setback, a success, or has gone through a struggle. There are lots of people that enjoy reading that type of book, but it's not enough for you to have an experience in common, for you to have a struggle in common with them or to have achieved success. You have to write your book in a way that that person can relate to you. One of the, the greatest compliments that anyone has ever given me about my book is them saying that they could see themselves in the book. That's the type of feeling that you want to create with the reader is that as they read the preface, as they read the table of contents, that sample chapter, they feel like, you know what? I've experienced something like that too. And if you can create that feeling, there's an instant connection that they have with you. And because they are connected to you, then it's much more likely that they will decide to buy your book. And remember, this is not just about buying the book to be buying the book. This is about sharing a message that you believe is going to be life-changing for other people. So the first step to getting your message out there is getting your book sold. And that's why that's important. So TB says, you know what? I need not just, don't just give me advice. I need some personal life events that you've experienced. I need to see a little bit of your testimony in the book so that I can determine if we're on the same page, if it's relatable for me. SO says need. So uh, there were a number of things, mood, reviews, author familiarity, and then need. So if you're writing about relationship issues, and I have relationship issues right now, then that relates to something that's going on in my life right now. So know that sometimes a person has to be in a particular season of their life in order to be interested in your book. So when I talk about some tips, and I'm far from done, when I talk about some tips later about how to get in the mind of your reader, you need to be able to identify, okay, this book that I want to write, who is it for? What season of life are they in? And that needs to come through loud and clear in your book. Emma says, does the content speak to the very questions I am asking myself during that season? Does the book come across as an answer to what I am seeking? Wow. He just gave you, MS just gave you a gold nugget. I need to be able to see your book as the answer to my problem. And here's the good news, guys. That's so easy to do. And I'm going to get you started with that today. If you can make your book feel like the answer to your ideal reader's problem, then why wouldn't they buy the book? Of course they would buy the book because we're all looking for answers to our questions. We're looking for solutions to our problems. If you can communicate that you are that solution, if you can communicate that you are that answer, you have got yourself a sale. So we've talked about a number of things. We've talked about recommendations, reviews, the title, the preface, the sample chapter, table of contents. We've talked about the cover design. We've talked about familiarity. We've talked about relatability. But then you know what? There are always these quote little things 
that we haven't thought of that could play a role in success or failure. So I would have been remiss if I didn't include these little things that caught my attention in the survey. GT says the last page. I always read the last page. If it piques curiosity, I buy it. Isn't that amazing? So your potential buyer of your book, imagine that they are in their local bookstore and they're in Barnes and Noble and they have your book in their hand, they can literally flip to the very last page to read it to see if it impacts them. So not only is it important to make a great first impression in the early pages of your book, but that last page or last few pages is gonna be really important. And then JJ takes it to another level. This is what he says, flip to a random page in the middle and see if it catches me. <laughs> so even though JT is looking at the end of the book, some people are looking at the front of the book, JJ says, you know what? I know your game. I know you're going to focus on the beginning of the book or the end of the book. I'm just going to go to any page in the book and I want to see if something catches my attention. So JJ reminds us that your whole book has to be quality. It has to be something that reels the reader in and gets them excited about learning more. Then SQ says the amount and type of data behind the content if it's nonfiction. So also know that for some people, not everyone, but for some people, they're wanting to make sure that it's not just your opinion. They're wanting to see that you've looked up some research papers, that you've explored some statistics that support the opinions that you have in your book. Because maybe they're not quite sure about your authority, but if you can show them that Number one, you're professional. Number two, that you've been willing to do the work and do the research to really substantiate your idea. Then it gives you instant credibility because they know that you've taken the steps, that you've done the work to find the data. So no, for some people, having statistics, having footnotes, having quotes makes a huge difference in the credibility of your book. So here's what you need to know, ladies and gentlemen. Here's what's really, really important about what we've talked about today. And I hinted at this earlier. The bottom line is that readers simply want answers to their questions and solutions to their problems. I need you to write that in, their note, in your notes. Readers simply want answers to their questions and solutions to their problems. I need you to get that because here is the hard thing. And no one else will tell you this but no one cares about your book. I'm gonna say that again. No one cares about your book. No one cares that you wrote a book other than your friends and your family. So your mom might be like, oh, I'm so excited for you. So glad that you pursued your dream, great job, okay? Your friends might be excited and they may buy a copy of your book. But the reason that I could not make any sales after going through my family and friends is I had not positioned my book as an answer to people's questions and a solution to people's problems. Do not repeat my mistake. Everything you do has to tie back to the questions that people are asking about your subject and the problem that people are encountering around your subject. And every piece of social media that you put out there, every email that you send, needs to tie back to one of those things. If it doesn't, then the reader has no incentive 
the potential buyer has no incentive to buy your book because they're not your friend. So they don't care. They're not in it to support you. They are only going to part with their money, whether it is $10 or $40, if they believe it is in their best interest to do so. And we only believe that things are in our best interest when they are presented in a way that ties to questions that we have or problems that we are struggling with. So here's what you need to do. You need to take the time to understand the reader's two words, demographics and psychographics. Demographics and psychographics. Those two are absolute must. You also need to understand that a potential buyer of your book is on a journey. They are on a journey. Here's what I mean by that. One of the, the mistakes that I made and one of the mistakes that I see, whether they are aspiring authors or aspiring speakers or uh, those that want to open their own retail business, whether it is in person or online, is assuming that if a person doesn't respond to your ad or to your message initially, that they are not interested. That is a huge mistake that I do not want you to make. What you need to understand is that there are many things going on in your potential reader's life. They're going to work, they're going to school, they're dealing with family stuff, they're seeing your ad, they're seeing your email in the midst of all those other things that are going on. So they may have glanced at it, but they may not have really, really read it. And for those that did really read it, they may be in a point in their lives, they may be in a season where they're not quite ready to act on what you want to talk about. It doesn't mean that they never will be, it just means that right now is not the time for them. But here's what I know, here's what I have proven to be true, is if you keep staying in front of that person, if you still continue to create books that speak to that need, and you continue to put your message out there, then when they experience a need for that, or here's the other thing that you need to know, they know someone that needs it, then they will refer or they will finally take action and buy your book or ultimately for many of you, they will take the step to invest in your coaching program, which is where you really earn the money, your mentorship program, or hire you to speak at their event. The biggest mistake that you can make is thinking that it takes one time of promoting your book or one time of getting your message out there for people to want to take the next step and buy. People are on a journey. You've got to understand that, that there's an awareness stage. They're aware of your book. There's a contemplation stage where they're thinking about buying your book. So that may mean they go out to Amazon, they take a look at it, but maybe they don't hit the order button right away. But if you stay in front of that person and your message is the answer to their question and the solution to their problem, then they will eventually buy your book. Many aspiring authors give up too soon. Well, I hope that you have enjoyed this episode of Publishing Secrets, where our mission is to encourage and inspire you to write, publish, and profit in a way that honors God. In order to stay up to date on our episodes, go ahead and hit that subscribe button so that you will be notified. And if this episode has been a blessing to you, do me a favor, rate and review. 
Until next time, God bless.